section sixteen of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen bingo why bingo hey boy here sir here he's gone and off but he'll be home before us tis the most wayward cur e'er mumbled bone or dogged a master's footstep bingo loves me better than ever beggar loved his alms yet when he takes such humour you may coax sweet mistress fantasy your worship's mistress out of her sullen moods as soon as bingo the dominie and his dog richard manipoles was as good as his word two or three mornings after the young lord had possessed himself of his new lodgings he appeared before nigel as he was preparing to dress having left his pillow at an hour much later than had formerly been his custom as nigel looked upon his attendant he observed there was a gathering gloom upon his solemn features which expressed either additional importance or superadded discontent or a portion of both how now he said what is the matter this morning richie that you have made your face so like the grotesque mask on one of the spouts yonder pointing to the temple church of which gothic building they had a view from the window richie swivelled his head a little to the right with as little alacrity as if he had the crick in his neck and instantly resuming his posture replied mask here mask there it were nay such matters that i have to speak anent and what matters have you to speak anent then said his master whom circumstances had inured to tolerate a good deal of freedom from his attendant my lord said richie and then stopped to cough and hem as if what he had to say stuck somewhat in his throat i guess the mystery said nigel you want a little money richie will five pieces serve the present turn my lord said richie i may it is like want a trifle of money and i am glad at the same time and sorry that it is mare plenty with your lordship than formerly glad and sorry man said lord nigel why you are reading riddles to me richie my riddle will be briefly read said richie i come to crave of your lordship your commands for scotland for scotland why art thou mad man said nigel canst thou not tarry to go down with me i could be of little service said richie since you propose to hire another page and groom why thou jealous ass said the young lord will not thy load of duty lie the lighter go take thy breakfast and drink thy ale double strong to put such absurdities out of thy head i could be angry with thee for thy folly man but i remember how thou hast stuck to me in adversity adversity my lord should never have parted us said richie methinks had the worst come to worst i could have starved as gallantly as your lordship or more so being in some sort used to it for though i was bred at a flasher's stall i have not through my life had a constant intimacy with collops now what is the meaning of all this trash said nigel or has it no other end than to provoke my patience you know well enough that had i twenty serving-men i would hold the faithful follower that stood by me in my distress the most valued of them all but it is totally out of reason to plague me with your solemn capriccios my lord said richie in declaring your trust in me you have done what is honourable to yourself if i may with humility say so much and in no way undeserved of my side nevertheless we must part 
body of me man why said lord nigel what reason can there be for it if we are mutually satisfied my lord said richie manipoles your lordship's occupations are such as i cannot own or countenance by my presence how now sir said his master angrily under favour my lord replied his domestic it is unequal dealing to be equally offended by my speech and by my silence if you can hear with patience the grounds of my departure it may be for aught i know the better for you here and hereafter if not let me have my license of departure in silence and so no more about it go to sir said nigel speak out your mind only remember to whom you speak it weel weel my lord i speak it with humility never did ritchie look with more starched dignity than when he uttered the word but do you think this dicing and card shuffling and haunting of taverns and playhouses suits your lordship for i am sure it does not suit me why you are not turned precision or puritan fool said lord glenvarlock laughing though betwixt resentment and shame it cost him some trouble to do so my lord replied the follower i ken the purport of your query i am it may be a little of a precision and i wish to heaven i was mere worthy of the name but let that be a passover i have stretched the duties of a serving-man as far as my northern conscience will permit i can give my good word to my master or to my native country when i am in a foreign land even though i should leave downright truth a wee bit behind me i and i will take or give a slash with ony man that speaks to the derogation of either but this chambering dicing play haunting is not my element i cannot draw breath in it and when i hear of your lordship winning the siller that some poor creature may full sairly miss by my saw if it wad serve your necessity rather than you gained it from him i wad take a jump over the hedge with your lordship and cry stand to the first grazier we met that was coming from smithfield with the price of his six calves in his leathern pouch you are a simpleton said nigel who felt however much conscience struck i never play but for small sums i my lord replied the unyielding domestic and still with reverence it is even say much the war if you played with your equals there might be like sin but there wad be mere wardly honour in it your lordship kens or may ken by experience of your aim wilk is not as yet mony weeks old that small sums can ill be missed by those that have nane larger and i maun e'en be plain with you that men notice it of your lordship that ye play with nane but the misguided creatures that can but afford to lose bare stakes no man dare say so replied nigel very angrily i play with whom i please but i will only play for what stake i please that is just what they say my lord said the unmerciful ritchie whose natural love of lecturing as well as his bluntness of feeling prevented him from having any idea of the pain which he was inflicting on his master these are even their own very words it was but yesterday your lordship was pleased at that same ordinary to win from yonder young halflings gentleman with the crimson velvet doublet and the cock's feather in his beaver him i mean who fought with the ranting captain a matter of five pounds or thereby i saw him come through the hall and if he was not cleaned out of cross and pile i never saw a ruined man in my life impossible said lord glenvarlock why who is he he looked like a man of substance all is not gold that glistens my lord replied ritchie broidery and bullion buttons make bare pouches and if you ask who he is maybe i have a guess and care not to tell at least if i have done 
any such fellow an injury said the lord nigel let me know how i can repair it never fash your beard about that my lord with reference always said ritchie he shall be suitably cared after think on him as an ain while was running post to the devil and got a shouldering from a your lordship to help him on his journey but i will stop him if reason can and so your lordship needs ask name mayor about it for there is no use in your knowing it but much the contrary hark you sir said his master born with you thus far for certain reasons but abuse my good nature no farther and since you must needs go why go a god's name and here is to pay your journey so saying he put gold into his hand which ritchie told over piece by piece with the utmost accuracy is it all right or are they wanting in weight or what the devil keeps you when you your hurry was so great five minutes since said the young lord now thoroughly nettled at the presumptuous precision with which ritchie dealt forth his canons of morality the tale of coin is complete said ritchie with the most imperturbable gravity and for the weight though they are say scrupulous in this town as make mouths of a piece that is a wee bit light or that has been cracked within the ring my sooth they will jump at them in edinburgh like a cock at a grossart gold pieces are not so plenty there the mare the pity the more is your folly then said nigel whose anger was only momentary that leave the land where there is enough of them my lord said ritchie to be round with you the grace of god is better than gold pieces when goblin as you call yonder monsieur luton and you might as well call him gibbet since that is what he is like to end in shall recommend a page to you ye will hear little such doctrine as ye have heard from me and if they were my last words he said raising his voice i would say you are misled and are forsaking the paths which your honourable father trode in and what is more you are going still under correction to the devil with a dish-clout for ye are laughed at by them that lead you into these disordered by-paths laughed at said nigel who like others of his age was more sensible to ridicule than to reason who dares laugh at me my lord as sure as i live by bread nay more as i am a true man and i think your lordship never found ritchie's tongue bearing aught but the truth unless that your lordship's credit my country's profit or it may be some small occasion of my aim made it unnecessary to promulgate the hail verity i say then as i am a true man when i saw that pure creature come through the hay at that ordinary wilk is accursed heaven forgive me for swearing of god and man with his teeth set and his hands clenched and his bonnet drawn over his brows like a desperate man goblin said to me there goes a dunghill chicken that your master has plucked clean enough it will be long ere his lordship ruffle a feather with the cock of the game and so my lord to speak it out the lackeys and the gallants and more especially your sworn brother lord dalgarno call you the sparrowhawk i had some thought to have cracked luton's pate for the speech but after all the controversy was not worth it do they use such terms of me said lord nigel death and the devil and the devil's damned my lord answered ritchie they are all three busy in london and besides luton and his master laughed at you my lord for letting it be thought that i shame to speak it that ye were over well with the wife of the decent honest man whose house you but now left as not sufficient for your new bravery whereas they said the licentious scoffers that you pretended to such favour when you had not courage enough for so fair a quarrel and that the sparrowhawk was too craven-crested to fly at the wife of a cheesemonger he stopped a moment and looked fixedly in his master's face which was inflamed with shame and anger and then proceeded my lord i did 
you justice in my thought and myself too for thought i he would have been as deep in that sort of profligacy as in others if it hadn't been richie's four quarters what new nonsense have you got to plague me with said lord nigel but go on since it is the last time i am to be tormented with your impertinence go on and make the most of your time in troth said richie and so will i even do and as heaven has bestowed on me a tongue to speak and to advise which talent you can by no means be accused of suffering to remain idle said lord glenvarlock interrupting him true my lord said richie again waving his hand as if to bespeak his master's silence and attention so i trust you will think some time hereafter and as i am about to leave your service it is proper that ye should know the truth that ye may consider the snares to which your youth and innocence may be exposed when shoulder and or heads are withdrawn from beside you there has been a lusty good-looking kimmer of some forty or by game making money spearings about you my lord well sir what did she want with me said lord nigel at first my lord replied his sapient follower as she seemed to be a well-fashioned woman and to take pleasure in sensible company i was no way reluctant to admit her to my conversation i dare say not said lord nigel nor unwilling to tell her about my private affairs not i truly my lord said the attendant for though she asked me many questions about your fame your fortune your business here and such like i did not think it proper to tell her altogether the truth there anent i see no call on you whatever said lord nigel to tell the woman either truth or lies upon what she had nothing to do with i thought so too my lord replied richie and so i told her neither and what did you tell her then you eternal babbler said his master impatient of his prate yet curious to know what it was all to end in i told her said richie about your worldly fortune and save for something wilk is not truth just at this time but which hath been truth formerly should be truth now and will be truth again and that was that you were in possession of your fair lands wilkie you are but in right of as yet pleasant communing we had on that and other topics until she showed the cloven foot beginning to confer with me about some wench that she said had a good will to your lordship and fain she would have spoken with you in particular anent it but when i heard of such inklings i began to suspect she was little better than foo here he concluded his narrative with a low but very expressive whistle and what did your wisdom do in these circumstances said lord nigel who notwithstanding his former resentment could now scarcely forbear laughing i put on a look my lord replied richie bending his solemn brows that should give her a heart scald of walking on such errands i laid her enormities clearly before her and i threatened her in say moany words that i would have her to the ducking stool and she on the contrary part miscawed me for a forward northern tyke and so we parted never to meet again as i hope and trust and so i stood between your lordship and that temptation which might have been worse than the ordinary or the playhouse either since you wot well what solomon king of the jews saith of the strange woman for said i to myself we have taken to dicing already and if we take to drabbing next the lord kens what we may land in your impertinence deserves correction but it is the last which for a time at least i shall have to forgive and i forgive it said lord glenvarlock and since we are to part richie i will say no more respecting your precautions on my account than that i think you might have left me to act according to my own judgment mickle better not answered richie mickle better not we are a frail creatures and can judge better for ilk ither 
than in our ain cases and for me even myself saving that case of the sification which might have happened to any one i have always observed myself to be much more prudential in what i have done in your lordship's behalf than even in what i have been able to transact for my own interest whilk last i have indeed always postponed as in duty i ought i do believe thou hast said lord nigel having ever found thee true and faithful and since london pleases you so little i will bid you a short farewell and you may go down to edinburgh until i come thither myself when i trust you will re-enter into my service now heaven bless you my lord said ritchie manipolis with uplifted eyes for that word sounds more like grace than only has come out of your mouth this fortnight i give you godden my lord so saying he thrusts forth his immense bony hand seized on that of lord glenvarlock raised it to his lips then turned short on his heels and left the room hastily as if afraid of showing more emotion than was consistent with his ideas of decorum lord nigel rather surprised at his sudden exit called after him to know whether he was sufficiently provided with money but ritchie shaking his head without making any other answer ran hastily downstairs shut the street door heavily behind him and was presently seen striding along the strand his master almost involuntarily watched and distinguished the tall raw-boned figure of his late follower from the window for some time until he was lost among the crowd of passengers nigel's reflections were not altogether those of self-approval it was no good sign of his course of life he could not help acknowledging this much to himself that so faithful an adherent no longer seemed to feel the same pride in his service or attachment to his person which he had formerly manifested neither could he avoid experiencing some twinges of conscience while he felt in some degree the charges which ritchie had preferred against him and experienced a sense of shame and mortification arising from the colour given by others to that which he himself would have called his caution and moderation in play he had only the apology that it had never occurred to himself in this light then his pride and self-love suggested that on the other hand ritchie with all his good intentions was little better than a conceited pragmatical domestic who seemed disposed rather to play the tutor than the lackey and who out of sheer love as he alleged to his master's person assumed the privilege of interfering with and controlling his actions besides rendering him ridiculous in the gay world from the antiquated formality and intrusive presumption of his manners nigel's eyes were scarce turned from the window when his new landlord entering presented to him a slip of paper carefully bound round with a string of flax silk and seal it had been given in he said by a woman who did not stop an instant the contents harped upon the same string which ritchie manipolis had already jarred the epistle was in the following words for the right honourable hands of lord glenvarlock these from a friend unknown my lord you are trusting to an unhonest friend and diminishing an honest reputation an unknown but real friend of your lordship will speak in one word that you would not learn from flatterers in so many days as should suffice for your utter ruin he whom you think most true i say your friend lord dalgarno is utterly false to you and doth but seek under pretence of friendship to mar your fortune and diminish the good name by which you might mend it the kind countenance which he shows to you is more dangerous than the prince's frown even as to gain at beaujeu's ordinary is more discreditable than to lose beware of both and this is all from your true but nameless friend ignoto 
lord glenvarlock paused for an instant and crushed the paper together then again unfolded and read it with attention bent his brows mused for a moment and then tearing it to fragments exclaimed begone for a vile calumny but i will watch i will observe thought after thought rushed on him but upon the whole lord glenvarlock was so little satisfied with the result of his own reflections that he resolved to dissipate them by a walk in the park and taking his cloak and beaver went thither accordingly End of chapter fourteen